Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the shotgun nerfs coming to Destiny 2 with Season of the Drifter. Uh, I'm very anti-nerf, but I actually kind of tried to explain why this was an important and a needed change. And we're taking questions now from the audience. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch these live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now, so come on in and join. Submit your questions and join in the fun. If you're watching this on YouTube, clicking the subscribe button and the like button is an easy way to support what I do. Thank you guys that have been doing that and supporting the YouTube as well well as those listening to the other audio only formats i appreciate it very very much we're going to jump right into the questions here all right jd gamer asked a question he said do you think this gambit game mode will give us a comp feel and have people in four stacks having a better chance to win either these new sets or with they could assign roles who invade and who collects they will not assign roles no they said you could have a team that stacks four reds, you know, a mixture of all the different roles. It's not one of each. So, and they do that so like when you solo queue, you don't get forced into a role that like you don't feel like playing, right? You kind of pick it on your own. Now, um, is the, to, to your question though, is it going to have a more comp feel? Oh, of course. Yes, very much so. I mean, if you, if you play a game like this, you should expect it to be challenging if you're not on a team because it's a team-based game, right? You should just expect it to be challenging. That's just the way that it's built. I mean, it's it's not it's you're not going into you're not going into the public space, dude. You're you're going into a 4v4 one round roles-based as they describe it, sweatier version of Gambit. So, I would firmly believe that you're going to see very organized teams go in and sweat. Now, to try to see things in the best light possible, this could result and turn into a um, just sort of fast turnover rate. Like, if you get shellacked, it doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's not, you're not in there very long. It's one round. That would be my only thought is that it won't be as painful as getting trounced in Gambit right now because Gambit right now is really freaking long to go and suffer through two rounds. So it's even worse to suffer through three rounds, which they're trying to alleviate that with the third round of sudden death. But e- even then, that's still two rounds plus the sudden death against a team that may be better than you. And it's just, it, it makes it, it makes for a very unfun encounter. So yeah, I think it's going to feel more competitive. It's, it's, it's building itself out to be something that is very sort of build a team, get a strategy, get a comp and go. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think that's going to make it very tough for the community at large to engage with it and enjoy it. I've continued to say that I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think the community at large boots up and wants to do the looties and the shooties in a pretty... And, not, and again, I know that we're, we're aiming at the hardcore players, so I'm not saying let's casualify the game, but you can be a hardcore player that doesn't really feel like sweating in Gambit. There are plenty of people that grind day in, day out, forges, public events, strikes, and nightfalls, and you might think of them as like a casual player. They're not necessarily quote-unquote hardcore balls to the wall, I want to sweat in Gambit. Like, that might not be their sentimentality, but they're still a hardcore player that's still engaging with the game. A hardcore player doesn't necessarily have to have this attitude of, I want to white 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 knuckle grit my teeth through content that's really challenging and really sweaty a lot of times a hardcore player is just somebody who's still playing the game day in day out and they just like grinding 
I mean, if you look at the forges and you look at the structure of Black Armory, are you really going to try and tell me that Black Armory was structured for hardcore, really, really, you know, I really want challenging content players? Not necessarily. I mean, we got a raid, but the forge grind was, as I said in the previous video, it was just in the vein of Destiny grind. Kill the ads, do the thing, kill the boss, get the loot. Kill the ads, do the thing, kill the boss, get the loot. Over and over and over again. And the forges were just naturally in that lane. I don't think Gambit, or as they're describing it, I don't think Gambit Prime is in that lane of daily engagement. I mean, we have people in the community citing the Charlemagne bot as saying Gambit is the second most engaged with, uh, you know, game mode or piece of content in Destiny, but that's pulling from Discord users, and I just feel like that's kind of a biased sampling, and I don't know, I, again, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the community at large is enjoying Gambit as it is now, and that Gambit Prime lands, and they're like, this is dope, this is more intense, it's actually faster, and we get cool loot. And I hope people really, really like the content loop. I would love to boot up on Tuesday and end the game, end the day Tuesday and be like, guys, I was wrong. This is fun. I could picture myself doing this, you know, little spurts like I do with forges and stuff and try and get cool loot. I really do. My only concern is if they don't, if let's say I like it and lots of people like it, my only lingering concern then would be where I hope they have intentionality. I really hope they have intentionality the way they did with Ada. You grab the bounty, you know what you're getting, you go for it. You grab the bounty, you know what you're getting, you go for it over and over and over again. If I'm just in the trenches of Gambit Prime over and over and over again, and I just want the hand cannon, and I can't get it to drop, that I think that's going to hurt the content as well. So at the very least, I hope they give us intentionality and agency over what we can get and what we're chasing. Because I think that was a, a really, really smart decision and structure uh, for Black Armory. Rain Dance. When it comes to new weapons and old ones that you prefer, what's the best way to judge if a weapon is good or not? Uh, for example, you enjoy the half dan. What's your evaluation process look like for a weapon? I just use it. I just use it. I know that I can put on a Warden's Law or a Midnight Coup and I can pop heads and get rid of trash ads pretty quickly. If I switch to something like the Half Dan and I feel like I'm killing trash ads at the same interval, then I'm good to go. Also, if it handles and feels cool, that's an aspect of it. The Half Dan having far range and a snappy ADS while also having Rampage and Drop Mag, it just feels good. Like, guns can just feel good. You you know what I'm talking about. So there's something that's sometimes not really, it's like intangible. It just has a really, really good feel to it. But there's also, I think, that nature of you just know the gun's efficient. Like, it just does the job it's supposed to do. And sometimes you put on a gun and you're like, what the frick, dude? I'm like, it's taken me forever to just do the most basic kills here. You know, the, the, the time to kill TTK is just freaking eternal on, you know, on everybody that I'm trying to kill. Um, so that that's something to consider as well. As far as picking a weapon, that's kind of the process that I typically go through. Number one, is the efficiency good enough to swap out something that I know is a top-tier weapon like Midnight Coup or the Warden's Law, right? So is the efficiency where I want it? And then, if the efficiency is where I want it, then I ask the question, does does it feel good? You know, if it feels good, then then I use it. 
And then that's the beauty of having so many pinnacle weapons. The fact that I can use a breakneck, the ringing nail, a warden's law, those three weapons, the or, or the blast furnace, those all have great roles and they all have different ways of feeling and I can swap them out whenever I feel like it. Um, that's kind of what you want. You just sort of swap weapons within their level of efficiency. I don't need something to be... Think about it like this. I think sometimes there's like this misnomer. It's like, you don't need something to be better than the Warden's Law or the Breakneck or, you know, any other weapon that you use. You don't need them to be better. You just need them to be equal in efficiency. And then if it feels cool and you think it and you think it kind of looks cool when you're using it, like using this Ringing Nail and I'm getting Rampage and I'm getting Dragonfly, I mean, that just feels cool on an auto rifle. Getting Rampage stacks from Dragonfly kills, I mean, that just feels cool. So that's, that's, that's really, I think, what drives loot a lot of the times is ground level question. Is it efficient? Does it do its job? Yes. Okay, what's the next question? Does it feel cool? Yep, certainly does. Awesome. I want that. That's generally how it goes. This is why nerfing rapid fire shotguns was so important because fusion rifles can feel cool. Slower, slower firing shotguns can feel cool. Snipers can feel cool. But they're not keeping up with the, the, the ground level efficiency of a rapid fire shotgun so it just breaks the power fantasy as I said in the talk you're not defending power fantasy just because you're defending a good weapon defending power fantasy is defending diversity of power and, and dynamic combat options that you can chase and use so that my fusion rifle loadout feels strong as just like your your rapid fire shotgun loadout feels strong that's good power fantasy Good power fantasy is not one-dimensional, one-size-fits-all weapons that are so strong that everything else is kind of irrelevant. That's bad power fantasy. Like, I can't stress that enough. I really can't stress that enough. Next question, Angry Texan. Do you think that the pinnacle weapon being an SMG indicates that Bungie knows uh, how substantially the Crucible shotgun nerf will affect the sandbox? No. No, they create these weapons and ideas way, way, way out. And maybe they looked at the tea leaves and their crystal ball and they're like, we're probably going to have to dial back shotguns because we're really kind of bringing shotguns back to their the, back to their position of dominance. So we're going to anticipate the need to, to rein in shotties. And if we rein in shotties, maybe we could do some SM, maybe do a, a, a pinnacle SMG. Um, I mean, the SMG gets increased damage from any weapon kill. That's not exactly, I mean... That ain't that ain't exactly gonna change the game. If it's a really good SMG, it might. So it's like if it's base level stats or god tier, then sure, it might. Um, let's have to wait and see. Cag Slayer, do you think it's a better fix uh, for this? Would be buffing everything to be useful as a shotgun in PVE. I mean, I address this in my talk. The way that a fusion rifle shoots and the way that the sniper rifle shoots the raw speed of a rapid fire shotgun is breaking the damage comparisons. You literally can't dole out damage quick enough. Okay, so think of it like this. A gun does damage at an interval. So the difference between an auto rifle and a hand cannon is how fast they shoot. So what they do on a hand cannon is it shoots slower. So they give it big crit bonuses. They give it big damage on each shot, right? And the higher that goes, the slower it shoots. So the, the rate of fire and the damage are kind of like a scale that one moves and so does the other. This is true in even games like Fortnite where the shotgun that shoots slower does way more damage and that's why. 
Right? That's how you kind of balance the weapons and create intrinsic balance within a given archetype. The problem with the rapid fire perk is it was taking the RPM and the like the the, the rounds per minute, right? The the well, it's revolu- revolutions per minute isn't. I, I think it's rounds per minute, isn't it? When referring to guns, in any case, how fast you can shoot the gun, it was essentially like taking the damage to thresholds that no other gun could ever catch up with. Ever. A fusion rifle would have to basically shoot like wham, 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 and it had to shoot that fast to even keep up. So what you're doing then is, even if you said, well, let's create an archetype of rapid fire fusions to compete, you're basically just creating this one dimensional version of secondary weapons where everything needs to be rapid fire because the mechanism by which you're doing like good damage is speed. Does that make sense? Like, instead of it being about, well, this one shoots a little bit slower, but if you hit headshots, it's really going to pay off. Like the example of a hand cannon versus, like, a pulse rifle or an auto rifle, the, the, the slow speed is made up by, well, if you hit your headshots, your hand cannon feels like a god. That's the problem is it, they would basically just have to make everything a rapid fire and just jack the damage up. Snipers, fusions, that's the only way they'd keep up. Again, that's bad power fantasy. That's not good power fantasy. You're creating this very one sh- one shade, one universal shade of secondary engagement is it shoots really fast. Isn't that cool? Well, no, not really. What if I wanted to go more, you know, more precise and what if I wanted something that was more based off of precision damage and, you know, and 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 more about being intelligent and placing my shots and pacing my shots and instead it's mindless gut busting just mindless gut busting just go up and barrel stuff the shotgun and wham 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 there's no thought there's no aim there's no intelligence and I think when you take that level of player you know strategy and choice out of it it just it relegated secondary engagements to just just that just always a barrel stuff always and I think that that's I don't know I think that's boring um and again, that's just bad power fantasy. One shade. Fusion rifles, I don't even understand fusion rifles right now, if I'm honest. Like, if you look at what Bungie has done, like, go into your collections, okay? Go to weapons, and then click on special, and then go to fusion rifles. You don't even have an entire page before the blue starts showing up. You don't even have an entire page. I mean, and it doesn't make any sense. And then you go to shotguns, and you at least get one full page of shotguns, and then sniper rifles. There's this abundance of sniper rifles, all completely underutilized. And why? Because of one gun type and one archetype, those style of weapons are completely ignored. Completely ignored. And I just think that that's unfortunate. I don't, again, I don't think that's good power fantasy. I don't think it's good power fantasy. Steamboat Willie, do you think the nerf is a result of PvP balancing? Do you think D2 or PvE only shotgun damage would have still been considered an issue? It was an issue because of everything I just outlined. I said before that rapid fire shotguns are just outside the they're outside the bell curve. It just you there's there and people saying again, just use whatever you want. 
that's not good power fantasy you're defending a weapon that is so strong i basically have to say well i'll take it on the chin and i'll and i'll and i'll do a weaker loadout just to have some diversity that's terrible that's not gonna happen nobody's gonna do that and and that hurts enjoyment too think about like well lono if you enjoy diverse loadouts just use whatever you want right and my my diverse loadout is immediately sullied by weakness it's just weaker i just know that it's weaker it's just i don't know and rapid fires were basically functioning as power weapons if we're honest uh d stan explain why bungie can and won't change pve and pvp separately is there even a good reason i mean in the patch notes that i read just today they are changing them individually they're doing things to weapons uh specifically in pve I read the patch notes from like the rockets and the grenade launchers. So they can and they do. They do it infrequently. And I think the reason for that is they essentially can't go and just say, here's a base damage change. They have to go in and make enemies take more damage is typically how they've had to do it. It's not about the weapon itself. So I think it's 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 not as easy for them to do. It's not like they just go in and they're like, hey, 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 can you... um." Can you turn the dial up on grenade launcher damage? Okay, thanks. See you later. Uh, and make sure you only turn that up in PvE. That, that's not that's not something that they've done that often. I think the reason they haven't done it that often is it's not as simple as I just made it sound. It, they're not doing this um, to shotguns because of PvP. And they're doing a couple of tweaks coming that are split. And that means they can, but again, they do it infrequently. Soured Outlook. What do you think would be required to make slug shotguns viable in high-level PvE content? I mean, you'd have to give crit bonuses that either stack or are just really, really high. You have to ask yourself, okay, this is what's always the question. If I use the gun at its optimum at its optimum efficiency, like, okay, so a hand cannon... You wouldn't compare a hand cannon to another gun by shooting everyone in the stomach and being like, well, this gun sucks. No, that's not what you do. You use the hand cannon at its optimum efficiency. You basically run around in, you know, low to mid to high tier engagements and you go for headshots. And you're like, this gun at its optimum efficiency feels really good. And then you do the same thing with another weapon. Like here's a pulse rifle, here's an auto rifle, here's a scout rifle. Use it at its optimum efficiency. How quickly is it killing trash ads? It's basically what you would do with the primary. Now, with slug shotguns, you would ask the question, how fast can it be shot if it's used at optimum efficiency and it hits all headshots? What's the total amount of damage this gun can dole out in, you know, 10 seconds or whatever, whatever the second, whatever the the measure is. Okay, let's just say it's in 10 seconds. You're really, you're going to shoot every shot and you're going to reload it and you're going to shoot every shot. We take a 10 second sample and then you take a rapid fire shotgun and maybe a mid tier shotgun and you say in 10 seconds, use at their absolute best. How much damage can they dole out? And what you would do is, is you'd go to the slug style and say, we need to tweak this, this, or this. So that way it's at this, you know, this level that other, like other guns are hitting this level of lethality in 10 seconds when they're used at their optimum. And we need to make sure slug shotguns hit this level of lethality. The reason I say all this is when you look at rapid fire shotguns, use at their optimum. Here's lethality of all the other weapons. And like rapid fires are like way up here. 
nothing's even close nothing's even remotely close it's not even like well you could use this a little bit weaker no like it's a night and day difference using a slug or a slower fire shotgun or a fusion rifle if you use that as your secondary even if you use it at its absolute absolute best and most optimum um, um, efficiency or efficacy it is it is not it is not going to feel strong enough what are you guys doing? They like put the bubble around him. I think I, what, what were they doing? So they couldn't hurt you. That's weird. I mean, I'm gonna bake him either way. I don't kill. I don't kill this guy slow anymore. In flames. How do you feel about one-eyed masters? Fair, not fair. I mean, I guess we should probably actually read it. Um, that way, I can in- interact with the one-eyed mask to answer this question. Um, because this was a change that was outlined in the in the patch notes. Um, it was outlined in the patch notes about the uh, about whenever they did the changes to shotguns. So let me scroll down here in the patch notes and read these to you because we already let, read the shotgun stuff today. So the one-eyed mask. The duration of Mark of Vengeance has been reduced from 15 seconds to 8 seconds. So that's the marked the marked time period has been basically cut in half. The way players refill health after a successful kill has changed. Before it restored all your health and the overshield refilled over time. Now health refills over time alongside with the overshield. This should give a leg up when encountering situations where multiple people are fighting one person with one-eyed mask equipped. Vengeance will no longer trigger for players in super. This is making supers far too potent. So you don't get the vengeance, you don't mark people when you're in your super, and it seems like also they cut mark of vengeance in half, and instead of getting an immediate overshield, um, instead of getting, how did it work before? Uh, before it restored all your health and then the overshield refilled. Sorry, you got all your health and then the overshield filled. Now both health and the overshield are going to refill over time after the kill, making it so you're like not immediately stacked. It's like an overtime thing, right? So, it's an over it's it's more of an overtime rhythmic uh, benefit instead of an immediate benefit. Now, the reason that I I think these changes are okay because the duration of the marked enemy isn't necessarily super helpful in PvE, right? I'm kind of bummed because I liked playing really aggressive in PvE, but typically I didn't need the full 15 seconds to get the kill to get my health back, right? So that doesn't bother me. I, in, mo- in most situations, if the enemy's marked and I'm playing aggressive, I'm killing that marked enemy well before 8 seconds. 8 seconds is a long freaking time. It still is pretty long in the grand scheme of things. So, the next question would be, what about how you heal? My only concern for PvE would be, it's not going to give you that sense of, like, devour where you land the kill and you immediately feel like you're safe again. It's going to be a little less efficient. Now, is it breaking it and making it terrible? No, not really. I mean, One-Eyed Mask in PvE wasn't a super common choice for people anyway. For those of us that were doing it, it was more about just, like, being able to play aggressive. It really kept me alive when I was under-leveled in the last 
last wish. That's a rare instance. We're rarely going in and dealing with that level of delta. So most of the time, what One-Eyed Mask is doing in PvE is it's empowering aggressive playstyle. So if it's empowering aggressive playstyle, that means that that means that 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 the question then is how aggressive can you still play i would imagine that the difference in getting all of your health back and a refill of health it'll be noticeable like you probably won't be able to feel like as kind of tanky like immediately having all your health back i think that'll be noticeable but i don't think it's going to be noticeable to the point that folks wearing it in pve will be like well no i can't play aggressive anymore it's ruined like with 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 shards of galanor I got really good at blade placement before the nerf, and I think a lot of people got inconsistency out of Shards of Galanor because they weren't really good at doing like the long spread out shots, and I got really, really good at it. I practiced, and I got consistently, you know, 70-80% of my super back from Shards pre-nerf on like a group of ads, and now I get maybe 30 to 40%. I rarely get a nice big chunk unless I dump the entire blade barrage into a boss. Then I get the guaranteed like 75%. I don't like what they did to Shards of Galanor. They relegated it to a a more one-dimensional usage. I would use it on bosses, but I would also use it on big mobs of enemies and majors, and it would guarantee me good chunks of super back, especially when I got good at knife placement. I think a lot of people would get kills from the blades and you know people all being all being bunched up but i spread the blades out so they hit multiple different targets and it gave me more consistency out of the efficiency of the exotic so the difference in nerfs there is one-eyed mask will still empower you to do exactly what you did before which is play aggressive just it's it's a slight toning down of just how aggressive you can play with shards of galanor i used to be able to say i'm going to use this on a big group of ads a big group of ads plus a major or a boss and it had like it wore like three different hats now it's basically kind of wearing one hat they took they took some of the function of shards away and that's why it frustrates me i don't feel like they're taking away functionality from one-eyed mask in pve and it sounds like good decisions with respect to pvp balance rated uh do you think it would help other weapon types by reducing the range of shotguns down to five meter except for slugs keep damage output reduce max range it could help uh out sidearms smgs fusions sounds like you might be talking about pvp which I generally don't really concern myself with that much. I mean, obviously I commentate on it here and there. Yeah, I mean, slugs could definitely also not just have the lethality of like their crits boosted, but they could also get like a nice little range buff because then that gives you the ability to use it as less of a, I got a, I got a barrel stuff. If you didn't have the barrel stuff, you could also, you could also have it be like a, you know, hey, you can sit back and kind of choose your shots a little more carefully and get that increase, um, and get that increase in just how strong it is because you're you're able to choose your shots. Like when you barrel stuff, it's may, it might be a little harder to land those crits because you're like right on top of the enemy. But if the range is good enough that you can sit back a little bit further, you might get kind of a double whammy, right? You get both a better crit bonus and then you can be more choosy with your shots because you can engage enemies from further distances and then get those uh, a clearer benefit of the um, the increased crit damage. 
So, or, and again, or perks that stack the crit damage the more you land. Jinja 300, after watching Fireteam chat, it seems you get sense by doing a Gambit Prime match, and they seem short, being one round, and the synths get you a Prime uh, weapons and armor. Um, I know that you're not the biggest fan of Gambit, but do you think that's a nice content loop? No, I don't think it's a nice content loop because I think they're basically saying the two main the two main pillars that we're dropping in in Season of the Drifter are both related to Gambit Prime. So it's not like you can just go run the Reckoning and just be like, I'm going to farm for the armor. I don't really feel like playing Gambit Prime. At the very least, I'll get the armor and then I'll be able to look cool, right? No, you have to get the synth from Prime, and after you get the synth from Prime, you then go in there to get the armor. Also, nothing else of value with respect to Season of the Drifter. Nothing else of value drops from the Reckoning. So you're not getting the new weapons. You're only getting, you are only getting Gambit armor pieces, Gambit Prime armor pieces in the Reckoning if you have a synth from Prime. It's just way too, it's just, it says specifically, you won't get Gambit Prime uh, weapons without the synth. Now, if that means I can take the synth into Reckoning and get weapons, then that's great. But people confirmed this morning for me and said, no, Deed said weapons will drop in the Reckoning, but they're nothing to really write home about. You're not getting the Prime weapons from from the reckoning the synths are specifically for the armor like that was said by four different people this morning in my chat i'm kind of taking that to the bank you're the only person saying that i can get prime weapons with the synth everyone in chat says you get the synth and the synth determines what armor piece you're going for and then you go into reckoning and the synth has you getting an armor drop if that's incorrect If you get the synth from Prime and then can go to Reckoning to get the weapons, it still doesn't change my point. It still doesn't change my point. I have to run Prime to get the weapons. I run Prime, I go to Reckoning, I get a weapon. I still can't go grind Reckoning if that's all I want to do. So even if you're right, right? Even if you're right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change my point. Everything's related to Gambit Prime. If I want any of the new weapons, I have to run Prime. I am not able to just go grind Reckoning as a PvE pinnacle activity. So it's run Prime, get a synth, go run Reckoning. And you may get an armor piece, or if what he's saying in chat is to be trusted... Um... I'm, I gave you the timestamp. I'm not lying. Well, can somebody go check the timestamp that he gave on the fire team chat and see? He's saying that at 16:45 in the fire team chat episode, they specifically say you won't get Gambit Prime weapons without the synth. Now they may have misspoke because everything we've heard up to this point, and even in the own vid doc, he says when you do reckoning, you're getting those armor pieces for Gambit Prime. They make that so clear in the vid doc too. So that would be very, very weird. Cooper Fire with 22 months and Stevie Ray Blake with a prime sub and Ghost GMR with a prime sub. Thank you guys so much for those subs. And Stevie Ray Blake uh, with a prime sub. Oh, that's, I, that, you already did it. Sorry. So I, I don't know. Even if you're right, even if you're right, I still think it's a bad loop because it's too related to Gambit Prime. And if you don't like Prime, you're dragging people through a very narrow amount of content. Um, 
No armor or Gambit Prime weapons without the synth, they said, says Extremely Dark Taco. So they're making it sound like when you have the synth, it's possible to get Gambit Prime weapons and armor from Reckoning. It seems like it's possible. I still think they made it sound like it's more about the it's more about the armor. And either way, it's all related to Prime, so my criticism still stands. I can't just go grind Reckoning. I can 100% confirm what he said to be accurate with the timestamp. Here's the quote. You will get rewarded, but you will not get armor or Gambit Prime weapons without putting in synth. Okay. So it seems like you can get weapon drops outside of Prime, but you still need to do Prime in order to get them because Prime gives you uh, the synths. So the, the criticism still stands. Mr. Anikboy. We see new different guns in the video. Where uh, where can we get these? Or is it just like the armor? Use a Gambit Prime. A well-timed question. It seems as though Prime to Reckoning is, uh, is the grind. Prime to Reckoning. Prime to Reckoning. Prime to Reckoning. You run Prime, get a Synth, and then you go run Reckoning. And the Synth, it seems to be designed to give you either gun or armor or both, I guess. Or a chance at both or a chance at one. Um... To play devil's advocate for the sake of debate, it's kind of the same loop in the forges. Uh, then the only way to do forge weapons is the only way to, uh, is the only way to get the forge weapons is to do the forges. Again, milkman, that's true. But my contention has been the forges are more naturally in the thematic lane of Destiny grind. For the last four years, what have we done in Destiny if we grind for weapons? Strikes, nightfalls, or raids? What do you do in strikes, nightfalls, and raids? You kill trash ads, you do some mechanics, you kill a boss, it spits out a chance at the weapon. Right? Forges are just sort of naturally right in that lane. Right? Right in that lane. Gambit is not is neither PvP nor is it PvE content. So for the last four years player behavior has has said people either hang out in pvp or they hang out in pve gambit is in between that it's like you're doing kind of both so you're really hoping that people that love that pve grind or people that love to 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 just grind crucible you're really banking on them enjoying this not just enjoying it but enjoying it to the point that they have no problem with this being basically the only offering. Think about it like this. When you're doing the forge grind, you grab her bounties and you grab the thing. And what are those bounties and what are those things have you doing? Public events, patrols, strikes, right? A variety of content to get the currency, to get the, to get the, the modulus reports. Okay? And then after you do that, you're filling the gun... You're filling the gun frame with seeds, which you do typically in like, probably like Lost Sectors and stuff like most of us do. So you're going into like a variety of PvE content, then you go and run the forge, a match made, no communication necessary engagement, and you do that, and then then it spits out a gun, and then you do it all over again, right? Now, somebody was good to point out on Reddit that this doesn't seem like it's going to be that sort of like just kind of get in the loop and turn your mind off because of the nature of how they've designed Gambit Prime. It's more sweaty, it's role-based, it's super organizational. So not only not only is Gambit Prime an enormous departure in the theme of content in Destiny for the last four years, 
it's also a departure from what you can typically do to grind for the weapons. People have been complaining about like the lack of matchmaking in Nightfalls because they can't grind for the Nightfall gear. In a similar vein, I'm worried that people are going to say, dude, I can't really get anything done in Gambit Prime because you basically need a team. So I go in and I'm a punching bag for however long the matches take, five minutes. And how long are people going to put up with that? You know? I think for only $10, we're getting a fair bit. You're literally getting Gambit Prime and a release of matches as Gambit Prime releases those match ma- uh, maps. You're getting different maps, and you're getting the Reckoning, which has three tiers of difficulty. Obviously, that'll probably change the uh, the encounters, different bosses, etc. So, again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the community loves Gambit. I hope Gambit Prime is a huge hit, and people grind it out, because between now and May, that's all you get. And if you don't like Prime, everything's linked to it. Everything. Uh, Circuit Junkie. Do you think based off of Black Armory, season uh, of Black Armory and Season of Drifter, the annual pass is working and will continue to work? It just remains to be seen. You know, in two in two or three weeks, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check the player base numbers. We'll check them as soon as it goes live. The week, the, well, I'll check every day the week it goes live, and then I'll check the weeks that follow. And I think it'll be really, really easy to see whether or not people are 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 vibing with the Gambit Prime grind. I felt like Black Armory did a really good job up until two weeks ago. The numbers for PVE were really, really strong. Black Armory did a great job. Like, the PvE numbers were always really, really good up until, like, two weeks ago. PvE numbers were great. PvP numbers didn't have much going on once the, um, you know, once the, once you kind of got past the, the, the pinnacle, the pinnacle pursuit for the mountaintop. Like, PvP kind of tapered off a little bit, but PvP stayed strong as well, and I think some of that just came from the saucy nature of the combat that people were kind of enjoying, even though people complain about PvP a lot, when the combat's saucy, people tend to, you know, people tend to keep playing. Um, what is your vibe, though? I mean, I don't know if I can make it any clearer than I just made it for, for the last four years. People have been getting into a vein of You kill ads, you do some mechanics, kill a boss, wash, rinse, repeat. That is Destiny. That's been Destiny since D1. We did it to Omnigol. We did it in the Nightfalls. I did it for the Imago Loop. You did it in Raids. I did it in the Forges. The Forges were just sort of naturally within the theme, right? They were naturally within the theme of what Destiny has been for the last four years. And it is... It is, my concern is not rooted in, I hate Gambit, frick this. That's not what my concern is rooted in. My concern is rooted in player behavior and the thematic thrust of content for the last four years. And Gambit is not in that vein. Now, it could pan out for them. It could. Games have to evolve. This could be the next step of the evolution of Destiny of like, we have people that love PvE, we have people that love PvP, let's bring those things together and give them something fun, new, and fresh. It could work. It could. They're, 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 it's a little bit of a gamble. It could work. But again, let's imagine that it works. Imagine in your mind that you get two weeks in and you're having a good time. Is that what you want to do for three months, though? That's all it 
is a lot of the complaints about black armory was it's just forges for three months okay imagine black armory you can at least shut your mind off and do it three months of sweat three months of intense gambit quick matches and then the 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 reckoning is described as being pretty intense too at least in black armory you can just kind of shut your brain off and put in a long play session i that you know and black armory had a raid too that's true so that extended some of the grind like some of us were grinding the raid and trying to get raid drops before we really set our sights on the forges it also had niobe labs which didn't really turn into what we all hoped it would turn into it's a, that's unfortunate, right? We all kind of hoped it would turn into this really, really nice, you know, p- a pinnacle PVE activity that you know people would really engage with and flock to, and it just it just didn't it didn't go it didn't go over that well. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a a misfire, um, you know. But I just I don't know. It is either Prime or Reckoning, and they're both related to each other. So that's it. So I hope I hope I'm wrong. I've said it a lot. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Barubis says, I don't mind them stepping outside PvP meta and making S- SMG pinnacle weapons, but I feel like slugging through uh, PvP using low-tier SMGs to get kills against any other weapon will be terrible. The pinnacle SMG needs to be as powerful as Luna to be worth the grind. I mean, it's tough to say that, you know, it's tough to say they can do that, you know. It's tough to say they can make it as strong as the Lunas because it's a it's a completely different weapon. It's a different weapon type. How do you make an SMG as good as a Luna? Um, and even still, all it does is get increased damage if you get kills with another weapon. So you still have to get kills with your other weapons, right? You're gonna have to get a kill with, you know, your hand cannon and then use it. So I mean, I wouldn't I I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of like this is gonna be a game changing weapon. Because if you're not able to get, if you're not able to get to get kills, that buff's not going to be there. And there are already SMGs now that can roll with kill clip. I'm pretty sure. So the damage buff will have to be, I would think, more significant than kill clip. Or what's the point in even using it? Just get a really good god roll kill clip SMG and just use that. Get your kill, reload. There's your damage buff. No need to slug it out. You know, through a no no need to slug it out. And 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 stay, you know, and go through PvP if it's basically just kill clip, you know. Um, that would be that would be my concern is that people are going to get it and be like, now again, uh, its synergy with snipers is way too good. I mean, yeah, I never considered that. You pop ahead with a sniper and then you bum rush the guy around the corner, but that's really contextual. How often is a team that split up? How long does the buff last? How strong is the buff? These are questions people are going to have to ask. Uh, wordy, because yeah, I mean, you, the the best SMG in the game right now is Risk Runner. Well, Antiope's a great one, and it's got kill clip and tap the trigger. So, Wordy says, with the conversation on underutilized special weapons, do you have any ideas or thoughts about a pinnacle lightweight grenade launcher for PVE? I've been trying to make Fighting Lion work with mixed results. The only way, the only way that I feel like you could make the the single shot like the lightweight, you know, grenade launchers. Only way they get they get traction in PVE is they have to have perks that just work within what they do. So, you know, a hit a hit on a on a on a 
maybe make them maybe really lean into major busting but I don't know they put them in the kinetic slot this is why having them in the kinetic slot like really really ruins the weapon meta if they were just in the energy slot you could basically say anytime you pop a shield or hit a major it reloads it with a supercharged grenade well, that would let you do two shots on a major. Thoom, thoom. And then the second one would be really strong. Or thoom, thoom. Break the shield. And then as soon as you break the shield, the next shot's really, really strong. That would be a pretty fun secondary to use. And it might work. You'd have to give it a decent ammo economy. Or you'd run out of ammo really freaking fast. Because you're using it as a mid-tier weapon. But again, the problem is you're throwing it in the freaking kinetic slot. And it makes it hard to come up with an identity for the weapon as I just described. So ammo economy would 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 probably i think make it struggle but that's what you'd have to do with those single fire grenade launchers if you don't give them the ability to give themselves ammo back or give themselves like some type of a damage buff i don't see them working i also think grenade launchers in general whether you're looking at the one that i'm using now the acantha d down here in the heavy or the ones that are up here the single fires the lightweights the if the, if the weapon, if the ammo economy isn't improved significantly, then these gu- these guns just don't really seem to have a proper identity. Daft, thank you for the Prime sub. And the Trills, the Trills ZT was seven months. Thank you so much. I missed your resub. This right here, a grenade launcher, is basically like a machine gun. Faster fire rate, lower damage. Where the frick is the ammo? Like where the frick is the ammo? I, I, they're giving they're giving like three more shots to to it. I, wh- what? Like that's what we get? Three more shots? Where's the ammo? If it functions, if it functioned like a grenade, uh, like a machine gun, and it got to kind of wear two hats, decent boss damage. But again, the decent boss damage comes from a duration of damage that's extended because you're having to rely on the increased ammo and the rate of fire. But then because you have good ammo economy, you can use the grenade launcher on a, on a group of ads or a major, and you don't feel like you're throwing away your precious ammo. You just, that's the problem with grenade launchers. Same exact thing with a lightweight grenade launcher. If I knew I could pull out my, my, my lightweight grenade launcher and pop a major, right, and it reloads itself or gets some type of a damage buff, and I can use it, and then I kind of put it away, it would function as a secondary weapon. The problem is, I would do that a couple of times and be out of ammo. Now, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm forgetting the fact that... Let's go and look at the grenade launchers here. Um, energy grenade launchers. Well, for frick's sake, there's only two. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. I mean, there's the Truth Teller and there's the Flash and Thunder. So maybe I'm forgetting the fact that green ammo drops decent, like decently plentiful, but these are year one weapons, honestly. There aren't even energy lightweights right now. There are not new energy lightweights, so they're missing. The light. There's lightweight... Um, where are the grenade launchers that are kinetic? These are both using special, so they're energy. Where's the kinetic one? Is it even in here? Because I'm not seeing, when I go to primaries, I'm not seeing it listed. Oh, is it an exotic? I thought there was a kinetic you could get from a nightfall that wasn't an exotic. Malicious Birthright and the Mountaintop? The Roaring Lion Exotic? 
I mean, fighting lion is an energy weapon. It's not a. It's not a kinetic. Malicious birthright has some great PVE. It's not. Is it not in collections? Is that like just like a mistake? Or is it because I've never gotten it to do? Because this right here, this unknown one, is the is the right. All grenade launchers use special ammo. Oh, even when you even when you slap it in the top. Okay, okay. I forgot that's how they work. So I mean, maybe I'm underselling it, right? Maybe I'm underselling it. Maybe I'm missing the fact that. Um, thank you for saving him. Nothing. I almost missed that. Holy frick. Um, that's why we were here. Uh, I mean, maybe the ammo economy is not that bad on the energies, but it's certainly bad on the heavies. It, the heavy grenade launchers, the ammo economy is not healthy enough. You just do not get enough. Um, the fighting lion uses primary ammo. Okay, so there you go. Um, Lost Oasis on IO. Uh, next question. Pedoet says, can you give a quick update on synth and everything? Because I wasn't able to follow the last two days. Um, I've already outlined this numerous times, and it seems as though uh, the synth comes from Gambit Prime, and it sounds like you go into reckoning with it and can get armor and weapons, but it did seem like it was more about the armor. It sounds like maybe there's a chance weapons can drop, but it sounded to me like the synths were about going for specific armor pieces so you can get a full armor set to get the benefits in Gambit Prime. Um, Serenity, thank you for three months of subs. Do you think instead of nerfing weapons and abilities in game, developers should bring the weaker items up? I already addressed why you can't really do this with fusions and snipers because they don't deliver damage at the rapid fire rate of a shotgun. So there'd be no way to make them catch up. By the way, if you guys are enjoying this content and you like the, the, the interactive radio show and the Q&A, I will be switching to Anthem in a little bit and testing the loot system. Uh, we may do an on-the-fly discussion in Q&A. Uh, and we do it a lot in Destiny. We're also going to be doing it in Division. So click the follow button, the little heart button. You click that follow button if you're enjoying the content. Uh, Soured Outlook. Do you think the incentive to play Gambit Prime will will finally allow Bungie to install party-sized matchmaking system? Four stacks, match with four stacks. Well... Listen, I think they already try to do it, right? They already try to give you a propensity toward singles and solos and stacks. Whenever I play Gambit solo, I, I run into mostly solos. Now, I don't know if I'm that lucky. I'm, I don't feel that lucky because my team always feels like it's full of morons that lose 12 motes every time. They just, they will, they refuse to bank at five and the lower numbers. Um, but I'm, I'm in a solo queue game. Now I consistently face solo queue players on the other side of the, on the other side of the battlefield that seem to be significantly better and more intelligent than the players I get stuck with. And that's always frustrating, but that's probably because I have a really good win ratio. Cause typically I only play gambit with a stack and we steamroll. And so the game is probably like, you're pretty good. You have a good win ratio these guys all have pretty good win ratios and we're going to put you against them, not with them. And so you end up on the side with all all of the anchors and all the bad players. Um, At least that's been my experience in theory. So it's already kind of there, right? So you receive a bank for your inventory from the drifter. You get the sense from prime. You load it into the bank. You receive a moat. You put the moat in the bank and reckoning for a chance at a prime armor piece. If you complete the reckoning successfully, don't you guys see I, I don't think, I think there might be a chance for guns to drop, but somebody said that Deej said the weapons aren't anything special. I think they're just going to be weapons that drop. They may have misspoke when they said gambit armor or, or weapons. I hope that's not the case. At the very least, I would hope that there's, there's some intentionality with going after the weapons. 
at least give me some intentionality. So if there's a weapon that emerges as like a really cool weapon with a really cool role, I can at least go after that specifically instead of going through what I went with with Parcel of Stardust, which is wait, 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 won't drop, won't drop, won't drop. Like, that was awful. That was terrible. Um... I was on my way to my third reset when the parcel of stardust finally dropped. Like, you don't want that to be uh, the case. Ace of Spades. Do you feel Bungie has to pull all their chips into Gambit, considering it goes along with the game mode and no other FPS has and essentially could become the identity of Destiny? I mean, there's a very there's a very thin theory that I put out there. Don't worry, guys. It wasn't the one at Target. I didn't just like rob you of the chance to get it. There's a thin theory, and there's and I kind of floated this out there yesterday that this could be them testing the future for where they see Bungie. I'm sorry. Um, it could be a. <clears throat> it could be them saying, "Hey, this is this is our way of experimenting with." Um, you know, this could be their way of experimenting with it. Let's see if we can't get a good PvP mode mixture here. Because Destiny has always been is, has been a game that combines PvE and PvP, and it's frustrating because they're so juxtaposed. And this could be their way of saying this could be the future for our for our game. And then Destiny 3 could land. The PvP could be more like Halo with normal loadouts. You can't go in with all your gear and your stuff. It's got default loadouts. It's more in the line of Halo. And that's there for the Bungie longtime Halo OG fans. And then Gambit has been formulated and curated and combed over for a couple of years. And it's been tuned into a very well-rounded encounter that mixes pvp and pve and it lets people kind of like okay i've got my great roles my great gear my great stuff now let me go head to head against people that may be their vision for the game think about it people had a vision for class-based combat and battleborn and overwatch dropped at the exact same time right drops at the exact same time they had a vision unfortunately for gearbox their game wasn't that great it had internal problems and pacing issues but overwatch had blizzard fandom and arguably a better game so it crushed it right and then battle royale lands as a concept that has become it's just taken over so bungie could really believe and say listen we firmly believe a good mixture of pvp and pve is the is it has a future it could have a competitive future right i don't know they could really be thinking listen we can pioneer something we can pioneer something that nobody else is doing there's potential here listen on paper and when people originally played gambit at the events with the curated loadouts everyone said it was phenomenal dado himself said gambit was at its best when it had curated loadouts when no one could use overpowered junk and also strategies hadn't really emerged yet, right? So, when they see that, think about it like this. The potential is there. What's getting in the way of the potential? Imbalance, broken weapons, queen breakers having double the intended aim assist, right? Short-sightedness with respect to where you put invaders, how much invaders can see with wall hacks, etc., etc., etc. So, if those nuts and bolts can get tweaked, isn't that the potential still there? Is it not? 
That's why I've made videos talking about this game's great on paper, but you've got to change the nature of these foundational things or this game's going nowhere. And a lot of people replied to my tweet when I said I was concerned about Season of the Drifter, and they said, Lono, they're addressing virtually everything you've brought up in past videos. They're even implementing one of your ideas, Lono. You said there should be like different roles with different with different uh, with different perks to create balance where different people are doing different things. Okay, you're right. I did. I said those things. I did address these things. You're right. The potential's there. My worry about Season of the Drifter isn't Gambit. It's that they're putting everything on Gambit, and the player base may accept or reject it, and that could really hurt it. Because if you reject it, there is nothing else for you you can talk about hardcore players all you want you can talk about they need to do something new they need to do something fresh that's fine they're saying let's do something new and let's put every egg in that basket at the very least they could have said the reckoning is a pinnacle pve grind with its own weapon system and pool and armor pool so there's two separate activities for you to do do you want to know why i think they didn't do that i think they had a meeting and i think somebody said if you do that gambit prime is going to struggle to get traction you gotta fill the funnel and the only way to fill the funnel is to have everybody going in there if they want the stuff that's what i think happened I think they knew from their own internal data that if they split it right down the middle, they knew guys like me would never touch Gambit Prime. I would just sit in Reckoning all day and go for the best stuff, and that would give Gambit Prime a more challenging springboard. It would struggle to get off the ground. They've got to fill the funnel with players. That is why Season of the Drifter is just this big giant funnel. Get in Gambit Prime. Get in Gambit Prime. Luke Smith himself says, in the meantime, go try out Gambit Prime. That's the message. So, yes, I could envision a world where Bungie says, this is the future. This is our pioneer move for game mode innovation that really captures the spirit and the identity of Destiny. We're really going to put right we're really going to put everything on this you can't listen to everything i just said and be like but it's not risky lono this is a good decision right it's risky right what does cade say in the taken king everybody loves a good idea Uh, everybody loves a bad idea when it works right Everybody loves a bad idea when it works. <laughs> Whenever you get the, the, the mission where you uh, on the dreadnought, where Zavala's really mad. So, it, if it works, then we're all, <laughs> we'll all love it. We'll be like, what a, this, this good job, Bungie. Right? I will gladly make a video. I will get a handful of confetti for the video, and I will throw it in the air, and I will say, I was wrong. Gambit Prime's a hit. Look at the player base numbers. Look at the response. Look at the community's reaction. And I will literally physically throw confetti in the air and celebrate being wrong. <laughs> I will do that. So, I hope it's a hit and I hope it does well. I hope people like it. Lethal Escape. A majority of Destiny 2's combat seems to be more about swarming you with enemies during timed events rather than allowing you to rely on strategy and taking your time to pick targets. Do you think this also causes players to run rapid fire shotties and the like? I try to use high impact weapons, but it seems too slow for most of the combat. Right, so you're touching on something we've talked about as to why scouts have no footing in the game. And I talked about this the first week 
we got into Destiny 2 and we were playing the Nightfall and it was Arms Dealer. And I kept telling people there was something wrong with the TTK enemy saturation and enemy agility. I was like, something's off here. I can't do enough damage fast enough to kill these enemies. They're too agile. They're too dense. They move too much. This isn't working. Well, the remedy to that, what's the remedy to that? Well, a year later, they jettison the garbage double primary system and they give us the ability to kill enemies faster with rapid fire shotguns, okay? Go into areas where you're you're a little bit weaker and they're a little bit stronger and put your rapid fire shotgun away and run double primary and you'll see what I'm freaking talking about. Or run a scout and like a fusion rifle. You will see what I'm talking about. You will struggle you will really, really struggle with the rhythm of combat. It's, it's, it won't work. The enemies are too close. They're super agile. So the fire rate and the engagement, the engagement mechanism of a scout, it just doesn't get traction in PVE. Everything's agile, fast, and, and as he says in this question, likes to kind of bum rush you. So hand cannon shotgun just becomes the go-to. Head pop, head pop, head pop, barrel stuff, barrel stuff, barrel stuff. It's it just works in like 90% of Destiny's content. Pulse rifle, you can get you can you things can work with pulse rifles and auto rifles because they're still in that good mid-range, and if you get a good one with good perks, they get the job done. You still feel like you're taking a step down from a really good hand cannon. Every time I switch from an auto rifle or a pulse rifle back to my warden's law, or you slap on your your midnight coup, you immediately see the superior. You're like, bam, 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 reload, rampage, bam, 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 reload, rampage. It's just, it is just crispy. And you don't feel that with a a scout. You don't feel that as much. You can feel it kind of with a good pulse if you position yourself properly and an auto rifle that's got some good perks like like the one I'm using now, the ringing nail or the half dam. But... This is an issue with diversity of engagements and diversity of environments that were originally conceived of in a double primary world. Why would I ever use a scout rifle? Well, because the you'd like you'd use a hand cannon and then for those random and weird times where there's like something way out in the distance on a shelf that's sniping you, you'd get out your scout, right? So, now that that's gone, you just kind of ignore those people that are really far away or you like chuck a grenade at them. How often is a, is a, is a high distance pain point applied to you? And I haven't even mentioned bows either. So in the final encounter in Scourge of the Past, I believe Scourge of the Past is like one of the best raids they've ever designed. I believe the boss fight in Scourge of the Past is the best boss fight in all of Destiny. Don't at me. Like, (laughs) it's the best fight in all of Destiny. The thought, the variety, the dynamics, the boss is not a prop who sits there and waits for you to shoot him and damage him. It's excellent. And it's one of the few environments where scouts, scouts, snipers, and and bows can shine. Scouts, bows, and, 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 uh, and snipers can shine. It's so, so good, right? Riven is better. Riven is very Riven is probably the best as far as scope 
and mechanics like it's just it's so enormous but the riven cheese just really makes it hard for me to say that and they left it alone for far too long so i have a really really hard time saying yes to that i think riven is sullied by cheese um and again i don't think it's as i think the boss is more of a prop in riven he just she just kind of sits there and waits for you to shoot her um so i don't think it's as good i think the boss is far more um he's far more formidable riven is massive and epic and cool like it's epic in scope kind of like how big oryx is in the room by the way you guys that are with me if you need the target i'm on the target right now come to me or or i'm gonna kill him and you're not gonna get him i'm gonna give you a little bit of time um what about axis axis is axis is close axis is still more of a prop Axis is just kind of like shooting at you and you just kind of hide from him and you wait, slam his back, and then you do damage. The reason the boss fight in Scourge is so good is you have to interact with... um, Man, if Daddy Boy needed him, dude, you gotta pay attention, man. You didn't even let him shoot him. Um, Hopefully he didn't need that guy. Uh, Axis is close. That's why I say, like, Wrath of the Machine and Scourge of the Past are... They're they're brilliant raids for that reason, and that's why the combat in most of Destiny just doesn't end up living up because um, it because it just doesn't offer those dynamics and those weapon choices. So the scout rifle, they literally designed a scout rifle right out of one of my videos. Every precision shot you hit adds damage to to the dragonfly, like. I literally have that idea in like multiple videos. (laughs) I'm not saying they got it from me, but like that's exciting to see like a cool idea from the community put right into the game, but it's a scout rifle. So I'm kind of like, well, (laughs) it's a scout rifle. Scout rifles don't really work that well in the environments right now. Even if I can buff dragonfly, I don't know if I'm going to want to use it. I'll obviously get it and try it. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, I, it's a scout, so it has me a little ho hum. At, at, at you know, at first, at first, at first glance, um, you know, there's a lot of really great dragonfly items in the game right now. So, put that perk on a hand cannon; it would be a beast. Oh yeah, oh yeah, awesome. Uh, people who say scouts don't work aren't using them. I don't think you're necessarily engaging with what I said when that's your summary. I'm not saying they don't work. I'm saying they don't have legs. They're really, really strong in certain environments, as I outlined with the Scourge of the Past boss fight or the Shattered Throne. There are environments where scouts do really well. In 90% of the content, the hand cannon is just superior. And honestly, if you want agility and precision for the way that enemies are close to you, moving around fast, etc., the bow is superior to the scout and it is more more universally efficacious. So the scout rifle struggles in most environments because everything's just too close. There's not that drawn back King's Fall style. There were a lot of strikes and environments in D1 where scouts got traction. But then when you went into like Wrath of the Machine, heck no, get out your hand cannon. They basically took the, the, the combat style of Wrath of the Machine and they put it everywhere in Destiny 2. And you had reasons to run scout in vanilla D2 because you were running double primary. So in those rare instances where you wanted that high distance engagement, they're really rare, you kind of had your scout for that. Bows blow? No, they don't. Bows are actually incredibly strong. Like, you want to talk about pot meet the kettle. 
pot calling the kettle black, like saying that people aren't using scouts if they say they're bad. Homie. Homie. Bows are really good. <laughs> Bows are actually really strong as precision weapons. <laughs> oh yeah. You're missing out. You're missing out, dude. Bows are good. Yeah. See? You're not using them. You, you thought we weren't using them. Yeah, man. This vow, it's got rapid hit, archer's tempo. Um, the uh, what's the one that I use all the time? Uh, there's the, uh, it's got the, it's got, it's got drag. You can get one with dragonfly or rampage, and it's really, really nice. Really, really nice. Not kidding you. Not kidding you. Please do something other than patrol. Uh, please shut up and go away. Oh, let's see here. No Nami. Do you have any tips on getting Jotun? No. It's a chance when you're running a powerful frame. That's it. There's no tips. It's just a chance when you're running a powerful frame. Uh, Wordy, 22212. How do you feel about the design space that these new role-based sets create? If it's easy to implement, should we expect build for specific activity loops beyond Gambit? Um, here's the problem with that becoming the standard, right? Lono, I thought you wanted this. What are you saying? Hang on a minute. (laughs) Hang on a minute. This game's not really built for that right now. I want it. Trust me, I do. Trust me, I do. I want there to be role-specific gear, set bonuses, etc. We've always asked for that. But it'll start to get a little weird that you have, like, an armor set for every activity if they don't sort of restructure two things. The way you chase loot, because you really want to have intentionality for building the set, and number two, changing your loadout. If I could get a strike loadout that has that, that 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 similar to Gambit, right, has all these cool strike perks, and then Zavala's got like an actual grind, like weapons and worthy things to chase, and I'm going into strikes, and there's loot incentive, right? And I have the armor set for strikes, and then I have an armor set for Gambit, and then I have an armor set for I don't know, maybe public space stuff, right? The 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 traveler, you know, the traveler's blessing or something set where everyone you're just going out in the public space. Well, number one, again, you need to give me agency to get those things so I can build that build and get the stuff that I want. Because getting the perks that help you in Gambit don't really matter if you're getting bad rolls. So you're going to want to be able to chase good rolls. Second, the second thing is I need to be able to create loadouts and change them. And don't freaking tell me I can do it in Dim. Put it in the dadgum game. If I pull open my character here and up here above him are, I don't know, five blocks... And I click on a block and create a loadout. Click on a block and create a loadout. That's perfect. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want. You want the ability to go in and quickly change your loadout according to what you're doing, right? That's what you want to do. And if they don't have those things in place, suddenly getting a bunch of armor sets like that, I don't, if you don't, if you lack the agency, and if you lack the agency and you lack the the way to switch loadouts, then Come on, like, that's going to be a pain, right? You don't really need to call on the mods to do something that literally has already been done. I clicked faster than you typed, and now you're putting arrows. It's already been taken care of, bud. Like, you are either slow or not paying attention. It's, it's, it was deleted well before you typed that. Uh, the Pink Panther. Lono, do you think the reason they might be doubling down on Gambit is because they're looking at D3 future? Yeah, we already addressed this. Yeah. You look at it, you st- if you still see it in chat, then that's a setting on your end. It should not be there. You probably have something set up with uh, better Twitch TV. That was literally instantly deleted. So, um, 
It's got to be a setting in your better Twitch TV or something. Yeah, we've already addressed this, the theory of like what they're trying to craft and what they're trying to do. Uh, Mr. Ankaboy, having two objectives, Gambit Prime uh, and Reckoning, is not better uh, is not better than just doing forge and don't have substance to use weapons and gear you get from the forge that's a make sentences that make sense I don't even understand the question and I'm not gonna reread it don't do that please don't submit questions that make no sense like typos and nonsensical sentences please don't do that I, I I'm not trying to be mean but like I, that sentence doesn't even make any sense um so ionic dreams Bungie said when you complete the reckoning you have had a chance to getting the armor you have you have a chance at getting the armor. Do you think making it so you get a bounty from the drifter and then going to the reckoning to get the armor would be better than RNG for the armor? Well, I don't know what happens when you take the synth to when you take the synth to drifter. It might be like Ada right now, where you take you take the um, what's that thing called uh, the not the modules report the ballistics log you take the ballistics log to ada and you buy a bounty that is specific for what you want so it's possible that you take the synth to drifter and you pick the armor piece that you want right i don't know if they if they go from the if they go from the intentionality of Ada's bounties to a lack of intentionality that to me is a step backwards her system is is I'm telling you it's perfect they need to take that system and replicate it and put it everywhere and if they don't they are taking one of their best ideas and using it in the most narrow way possible her system and her what the way she's structured should be freaking everywhere everywhere I mean I'm, I'm dead serious and if they take that agency away in, in season of the drifter um, so you put a synth in for a certain armor that matches that synth Right, but if the synth is an RNG drop, then that's not agency. So if the synth drops, and it's like, you got a boot synth, and then you go give it to Drifter to go get boots, when I get a ballistics log, I don't get a ballistics log for a particular weapon. I get a ballistics log, and then I go pick from three weapons, and those weapons rotate each week. That's player agency, and that's rhythmic urgency. I get to choose, and each week, there's a certain type of weapons that are available, and then they rotate. So if I really want the hand cannon, I got to really go at it the week that it's available. Rhythmic urgency is good because it drives player engagement. Player agency and player intentionality is good because it makes the player feel empowered in their chase. It doesn't feel like I felt like with the parcel of Stardust. Uh, Dristies. Did you see the armor from the Reckoning uh, will have random perks or normal rolls? Uh, do you think after the update we will see an armor set for every activity? I already addressed the question about every activity and what they would need to do if they're going to do a system like that. As far as random rolls, I would assume it's just like everything uh, we've already got. Uh, T-Funk, what do you think it took Bungie so long to figure out the RPM issue? With shotguns? I don't know. Why did it take them so long to figure out that Queen Breakers had double the intended aim assist? You know, Why? You know, do something interesting for once. Let me educate uh, the morons in chat with the teeny, the teeny tiny brains that think telling a streamer what to do is going to get them anywhere in life. Okay, uh, prepare for your small brain to be stretched. This is going to be hard because I'm going to teach you something. I know it's hard to learn um, when you're dumb. Okay, so this bounty, I'm supposed to stand here in Siren's Watch and wait for an HVT. That's what I'm doing right now okay so if you're frustrated go tell Bungie that their bounties for enhancement cores are dumb 
okay thanks for listening to my TED talk um yeah I don't know why it took him so long to figure it out uh T-Funk I think this is just part and parcel to Bungie's updates being slow like you know what I mean like it they they it took them they launched Forsaken with Gambit Sleeper oh no Amos is down on Sleeper and then Queen Breakers immediately emerges as a problem right and I guess they didn't want to be reactionary and nerf another prized weapon, but it's like after that was discovered, what are it's March 1st, and now we're just now finding out all the way three months, basically three months into the year that, oh hey, sorry about that guys Queen Breakers had double the intended aim assist the frick, how did you not catch that? I I don't know, now to be fair, I do want to be fair to Bungie. I think the testing of the shotguns and really figuring out a solution, that takes more time than, than oh my gosh, this thing has double its intended aim assist. Right? If it's double, if it has double the intended aim assist, that should be discovered and corrected immediately. Figuring out the correct path forward for the variety of differences in RPM and damage efficiency on shotguns, that takes a little bit more time than turning down the dial of aim assist, right? So, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass on the shotguns, but I ain't giving them a pass on queen breakers. Like, that was just a freaking joke that it took that long to figure out. Or fix. Battle Ram. Uh, with the change to rapid fire shotguns, do you think players will still use Ikolos in Last Wish and Scourge runs or any other weapons they could to get the same damage? Well, they're not going to get the same damage. Um, what's going to end up happening is I still think they're going to be great weapons, but they're going to function exactly how they're supposed to. They're supposed to function as a mid tier weapon, not a boss damage weapon. It just makes no sense. Like, if somebody suddenly discovered that there was a sidearm that shot so fast and had some type of damage output perk on it that when used on a boss did more damage than an exotic heavy, people would be like, well, that's stupid. That's a sidearm. That's not how sidearms are supposed to work. I just think people got so accustomed and comfortable, they're letting their affinity for rapid-fire shotguns blind them to how ridiculous it is. It's just... it. It's it, it. I mean, it is legit ridiculous that a mid-tier weapon like a shotgun can out-damage exotic heavies. Even after they nerfed Ikolos, it's still it's still in many respects was outshining other weapons. So, um, and I mean, yeah, maybe they didn't want to draw attention to the Queen Breaker, so then everybody started using it. But they literally did a stream where people were using it, so I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think they would have asked teams to not use Queen Breakers on that stream. Um, they did overlook and not mention the time the guy got a four, a four kill, a four man. A four, he wiped the team with it. <laughs> um, so, unknown uh, Rick. Assuming that there will be a major expansion in September, uh, like the Taken King. When do you think they will pre- present it? Uh, usually they tease it before April or June. I think they would do it around E3 is typically when they start their marketing strategies for whatever's coming in September. So Penumbra lands, gets everybody happy and excited. The player base is engaged in chasing loot. And then they would, um, then they'd hit E3 with some marketing and it, we don't know what it's going to be. It could be something that they were already working on and it'll be taken queen that's what I've been calling it, and we'll go to the Dreadnought, and we'll fight Savathun. Um, 
or or they're going to take whatever they had originally designed for September that was supposed to be like another comet and they're going to break that apart guys the HVT is here they're going to break that apart and use use that as their next sort of annual pass content um and I know people are like that's cut content we weren't promised anything so you know we'll just have to kind of wait and see those are the two cha- those are the kind of the two lanes I see it landing in um all right I'm not waiting anymore okay Cag Slayer, do you think the season of the Drifter will be able to dole out enough content for the end of the season or fall off like Black Armory? They are expecting, um, I think they're expecting player behavior to shift very sharply away from what it typically is. Uh, I think, um, I think most of the time, I think most of the time people go into content in Destiny it is because there is an accessible, repeatable grind that can drop loot, and they do it over and over and over and over again. Uh, and I think that, and even right here, Season of the Drifter will offer bounties to annual past players to get you geared up to take uh, to tackle Gambit Prime and the Reckoning. So again, they also change that right there. They're changing the marketing uh, thrust of of how it works they're basically saying you can get um, season of the drifter and season of the drifter is that's what you get in your annual pass now like I just I'm I'm really confused as to why they why they got rid of Joker's Wild people spent money on the annual pass and now you've kind of deleted that name and now people are going to be confused um, so the question of them doling out enough content, I actually think logistically the structure of Season of the Drifter looks good if you like Gambit Prime. If you don't like Gambit Prime, then there's not there's really nothing for you to do. So the structure is great for people that like the end up liking the content, you know. It's Rondo. In the IGN video, if you saw it, when they were talking about the armor, it was an armor set system where perks unlock as pieces of the same set are worn. Would you like to see this vendor uh, in the vendor armor? I mean, I said at one point every planet should have armor that does that. I think that's a bit extreme. You, again, could get like a, a planetary traveler set or something that does that. Where, you know, you get all the sets and every time you go into a planet or a public space or something, you get... Um, you know, you get you're running solo. I'm not grinding for the gun right now. I'm just grinding for the grenade kill so I can go to the tower. We, we can do this maybe later. I don't know if I'm going to be playing that much longer with Q&A. Q&A will probably be over in in a little while here. Um, Kagslayer, since the only way to get prime weapons and gear is to head into Gambit Prime, wouldn't the prime experience become less sweaty since the casual players will be the first grinding it as well? Okay, let me let me tell you, this is another layer of my concern. What has typically happened with sweaty environments in Destiny? What has typically happened? It drives the casual players away and you get left with a sweaty core that constantly complains about how sweaty it is. Like it's just like that convoluted like they don't want to um they don't want to deal with sweat and yet they're sweaty, right? So, uh so the challenge I think will be w- will will it be like do you remember do you remember when you did uh, bounties and trials and it kept it felt like it kept a lot of casuals in the player pool if that element can happen 
if it can feel like you can sort of engage casually with Prime and it doesn't really matter if you lose because people didn't care if they lost in trials they knew that the bounties were going to give them the loot right if that can happen then I think Prime might actually be pretty fun because there will be a good mixture of sweat heads and casuals but typically again if it's not structured properly the, the the content the content typically doesn't land because the sweat heads take over and that's all it is and that's, and that's what happened. As soon as the bounties in Rise of Iron wasn't giving new stuff, the casuals vacated trials and everyone whined and complained about how sweaty trials was. And so if your core for Gambit Prime is all sweatheads, that has diminishing returns. Because it feels like you're in skill-based matchmaking. It feels like you're in a meat grinder. I just keeping casuals in there's a de- there's a delicate balance in doing that and my concern is traditionally sweaty environments just ov- get overtaken by the sweat heads and then and then that has diminishing returns cuz they eventually stop playing cuz they don't like it either i am just not having a good time trying to charge this grenade at these guys um so we'll I'll just have to wait and see hobbit spartan uh, why have they not taken out cores in Infusion? I'm seriously not playing Destiny as much because of the leveling system currently. Well, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. This is, again, uh, this is a sort of a, a universal band-aid that they came up with. The, the Power Surge bounties are going to take you up to 640 power within the first hour of Season of the Drifter. This means you will not be infusing as much to get to 640, but from 640 to 700, you will be needing to get, um, you will need, be needing to get uh, infusion to get there, right? So that means, um, that means that the 640 grind, nobody's really gonna care. Right? They're just going to be like, no problem. I got 640 without breaking a sweat. You're not really, you're not really doing any of the, uh, you're not really doing any of the infusion because you're literally leveling up so fast. Look, if you're infusing during the during the surge bounties, then I mean that's kind of your own fault. It's clear that those bounties are to get you leveled up really, really quickly, and it's not for it's not a good time for you to be infusing. I don't tell people how to play. I got sick and tired of the paternalistic finger wagging from all the people defending enhancement cores being an infusion like, well, you should play the way that I play. Go get cores and run the bounties. I don't ever lack cores. Passive denial that it's not a pain point, which is a passive denial of their entire argument, but that's beside the point. But like the play like me thing, I don't I don't endorse that. But at the same time, it's kind of on you. If you look at a surge bounty system that is meant to skyrocket you to 640, if you're infusing while doing that, you're kind of not paying attention. Right? But the infusion system does need to be about empowering player volition. From 640 to 700, you want people to be able to use the gear that they like. You want people to be able to use the gear that they like. Because someone's like, just go get Masterwork Cores, noob. The Masterwork Core grind, the Enhancement Core work grind, uh, and Core grind is stupid. 
you have to grind Tangled Shore for no other reason other than to get ghost fragments. Once you get enough ghost fragments, you buy the bounties from the uh, from Spider. Half of his uh, half of his bounties that give you enhancement cores have you standing around like a numbskull waiting for an HVT. You just saw me doing it, and we had viewers telling me to go do something because I was just standing there. The enhancement core grind is freaking awful. It's so poorly designed. At the very least, if they're not going to take enhancement cores out of infusion, increase the number of cores you get from spider's bounties, let me buy those bounties with glimmer and make all those bounties just pub- just um just lost sectors. I don't need to grind the tangled shore. Like what the frick are you doing to me? Why? Right? And then after I do that, then I have to stand around for three out of the six bounties. Every time you dismantle a legendary, it's a chance for a masterwork core. Each time you dismantle a curated, you get seven cores. Homie, you're not speaking to you're not you're not picking up what I'm putting down. I hardly ever get cores from legendaries. And curated rolls are a rare drop. So you're basically saying you can get cores from a rare drop, which is that's that's exactly the problem, right? Curate like they have, they have muddled the economy. You have an economy that is attached to mastery of items, capstoning items, masterwork it, get it all done, right? Get it all done, get it done with masterwork cores, right? And then infusion is about player volition. Infusion is not about leveling up. Anybody who tells you that infusion being costly is extending playtime doesn't know what they're talking about. It doesn't extend playtime. You are still, you are still leveling up. If I have a sidearm that is 700, the game sees me as being at that power level. I haven't had my playtime extended. I have had my player volition frustrated. That's the problem with the infusion system. It's not about extending playtime. You're just telling that person that if they want to be as strong as possible because, oh, I don't know, Gambit Prime and the Reckoning are pinnacle activities. So yes, I want to equip my strongest gear when Season of the Drifter comes around. And if you take away my volition and I have to use garbage loot that I don't want to, like some grenade launcher sidearm or sniper or whatever the frick dropped, you're robbing me of just like the core choices in a game like this it's a loot based game and you're telling people no 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 you can't use that loot because hardcore players that don't represent you at all said we want voli- we want player volition to be frustrated because infusion should be costly these are the same people that consistently say i always have masterwork cores well thank you for admitting that your idea about pain point is faulty because it's not a pain point for you it should be a pain point And in the next breath, it's not really a pain point. Well, freaking pick a side, because you're basically arguing for something that slows down player volition for the rest of the player base and not you. And and your solution is that they should play like you. A, A game that's about choice, pursuit, and fun, and everybody should play like you. Come the frick on. It doesn't belong in there. If they dig their heels in on this, do you want to know what's going to happen? People are going to hit 640, then they're going to try and level up, and they're going to get ticked off because they don't have enhancement cores, and it's going to motivate them to put the game down again. It's been a consistent complaint 
for a reason. It's stupid, it's illogical, and it frustrates player volition. Get it the frick out of the game. I don't care whose ego is hurt by it. I don't care who thinks it's a good idea. It's terrible. It's been a consistent request from the player. It's been a consistent request from the player base for a reason. And when, the, and when the people championing the idea aren't touched by the pain from it, then you shouldn't listen to what they have to say. Seriously. If the people championing the idea constantly admit that it's not a pain point for them, then they don't get to commentate on it. They're, they're admitting that it doesn't even work as, as, as they're intending it to work. You're just frustrating player volition. It's all you're doing. That's it. I haven't ranted about that in a while, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the, ch- the journey from 640 to 700 is going to burn people out if they get hit with that stupid enhancement core wall again. At the very least, they could say, we understand that people sometimes struggle to get enhancement cores, spider's bounties now only cost glimmer, and they reward you with more enhancement cores, and there's no standing around and waiting for HVTs, right? Ugh. So, that's the problem. Uh, next question. Ginger 300. The way uh, they describe the synths makes me feel like you can get a bunch of them similar to modulus reports. Do you think you'll be able to get a bunch of synths and then run the reckoning time after time? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have zero clue how they're going to structure that. Uh, pros Canadian Gaming. In the vid doc on the roadmap, it says invitations to the nine are separate from the reckoning. Do you think this will be another PVE activity or the Zer bounty they talked about? I somebody in chat's gonna have to talk about that because I thought it said um, I thought it basically just said you it was the it was the Zer bounties. Or they said it is replacing Zer bounty, so my girlfriend just started playing. The power surge bounties will be great, but she's really going to be screwed by enhancement cores. That's the only thing I guess is if she doesn't have any many things that need to be infused up. Right, but anytime she gets something that she's that she likes, you're tripping up player choice. Like, I want you to picture this in your mind. It's a loot-based game. They use the loot to bring you back, and a player is going to be like, "Ooh, I got a new pretty thing. Let me go look at this new pretty thing. Look at this cool gun. I would like to use this gun, right? And then they're using it. And then they become a fan of it. That's what you want to have happen. And then you poke that person in the eye when, as they level up, they have to basically not use it because if they're trying to go into the harder activities, they're going to feel that need to infuse and level up. Why? Because, because... Because that's the natural progression in RPGs. That's why the leveling system in this is terrible. That's why the infusion system is terrible. Leveling should just be the natural progression of the player. And then they're seeking loot, they're seeking roles, they're seeking different stuff to work. Those cores are stupid. You should get hired by Bungie to make the change. I mean, I, you know, I I don't expect them to listen to me, but it, if they keep listening to the people that also admit it doesn't hurt them, then they're making a grave, grave mistake. Especially if this is designed to be rhythmic content that brings people back. You don't bring people back and then make them jump through hurdles just to use the stuff they want to use. Uh, Evo says, "Do you think solo people that come into Gambit Prime late with uh, with bow special with no special armor put the team at a disadvantage?" Uh, sure. Yeah, not having um, not having 
not having the armor is going to put you at a disadvantage. You're not going to have those perks. Cag Slayer. Um, so you said that it is risky, and I agree, but so is Apex. Respawn said themselves that EA had no clue that they were even releasing on Origin, uh, but it's a true hit. You think Gambit Prime could Gambit Prime could be this as well? Okay, but what went into Apex's success was a clear cultural video game trend with the popularity of BR, and they used giant Leviathan billboards that became they became giants in the industry because of Fortnite. There isn't some giant theme and demand in the culture of gaming right now for Gambit Prime. There's not, as far as I can see it, some big giant demand and and request for a game mode like Gambit Prime in the Destiny community. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope people are hungry for something fresh, and I hope this is the new thing. I do. But I don't see that happening. I don't Apex was a risk, but man oh man, come on, dude. That was calculated risk. They could see they could see where that game could go. It wasn't that hard to see the trends in the viewership and the player engagement for games like Fortnite. Heavy lifted, do you feel like Luke Smith is considering uh, this a throwaway season while Bungie's figuring out how to do Destiny with Activision? I believe he said uh, at the end, Season of Penumbra is going to show you how Bungie does Destiny. For now, go play some Gambit Prime. That's probably not the exact quote, but it felt kind of along those lines. I feel like sometimes Luke Smith tries to talk to us between the lines, and I think it was kind of like, hey, really, really good things are coming. For now, check out Gambit Prime. Kind of like a I don't want to read too much into that, but almost like kind of like a head nod. Like, look, we're, we're really focusing on a bungee-controlled destiny, and while you're kind of waiting on that, go check out this new game mode that we came up with. Kind of like a, this is, this is something to do while you wait. At the very least, that's what he says, right? This is something to do while you wait. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's nice to see weapon bounties in Black Armory and armor set perks in uh, Joker's Wild. After D2 launch, felt... Uh, left behind many quality of life changes from D1. How important to you do you think it is Bungie to implement these quality of life changes to the next expansion and eventually D3's release? I mean, depth of grind and perk is a huge vacancy in the game right now. Most weapons are grinding for the same basic perks, but you're just chasing them because they look cooler, they're, they're different, or they handle slightly, you know, different. So, yeah, I don't, I, they need to really, really dig down in on perks and stuff, you know. Apex is good because it's free. There's a lot of more reasons why that game is popular. Now, Apex is really struggling right now. P- their patches and their quality, I- I'm, sa- I- I'm sorry to say it, because I love Respawn, but their quality sucks right now. Crashes and bugs and DirectX nonsense, I don't know what the frick they're doing. It's not optimized for basic NVIDIA drivers. Like, what are you doing? How do you do that? Their quality right now is awful. It had a great launch. Smooth, smooth launch. And then every patch seems to break it. <laughs> it's just PC players for Apex are in a rough spot, man. They're in a rough spot. Uh, why'd you stop playing Anthem? I'm gonna be playing it this afternoon. Don't be narrow-minded. Uh, Fridge masterpiece. You think Destiny needs major content come September? Um, either that or a really, really good annual pass that's noticeably more beefy. Uh, Farfalus. Do you think armor perks and Gambit Prime will affect player attitudes? Example: Four Invaders means uh, plays they're gonna fight over invading. That's my concern. Um, so I have, a, I, have a, I have a macro concern, like a really big concern about player behavior, player desire, and loops, like content loops. I have a micro concern about balance because Bungie did a very bad job with balancing Gambit. As soon as people started to discover certain metas and abilities and ways of rushing to 25 and invading, it became a really annoying game mode and melting the boss, right? 
they assured us think about it like this their tracker with gambit's not very good they gave us assurances that we would not be melting the boss and then they just punted here come quote unquote here comes the melt on their on their pri- on their gambit stream you know so many months later so they went from assuring us that we wouldn't be melting the boss to being like well they figured out how to melt the boss frick we don't know what to do punt just call it here comes the melt so the boss is literally a piece of tissue paper at the end of the fight he's an irrelevant prop that you just dump damage into just an uninteresting conclusion to gambit so I don't have tons of confidence in their ability to have a balanced environment. I don't. Queen Breakers and Sleeper and everything else and the way Invasion functions with 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 uh, Overshield and the way everybody's real crafty when they invade. Like, come on. There's something off there. So, I, yeah. I am super worried that really cheesy and corny metas are going to emerge. Yeah, just run four invaders. Nobody, nobody can stop when you run four invaders. These dum-dums are running those other classes and they're not strong enough. So, that's a concern that I have is that cheesy, stupid metas will emerge and it'll just make people mad and it'll ruin the experience and then it'll make whoever is enjoying it enjoying it a whole lot less. Um, I've missed some subs. Uh, Mario Espo and Big Exotic and Nematic Flow. Thank you guys for all those resubs. Uh, Big Exotic, thank you for doing the tier three. Uh, I appreciate it. Papa Prime, apologies if this has been asked a million times. Do you think Gambit Prime is Bungie's attempt to satisfy the competitive trials crowd? If it's their attempt, it ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. It's one round and it's got raid level boss mechanics, they said. Like the boss will feel more like a raid boss. It ain't gonna satisfy the trials crowd. No way. Uh, to quack. Do you think they will ever bring D1 armor art style back? The new ones are a bit ugly. I disagree. I think the new armor looks amazing. Uh, and if they want to bring it back, cool, but I think the new stuff looks dope. Uh, Grizzle. To help with the boring Gambit and Crucible meta process, what do you think Bungie have added roles and daily buffs or debuffs like with Strikes that would allow you to use different abilities and guns to avoid a bland meta? I mean, it's a well-timed question. That'd be a great way to be like, this week, you know, Invader's um, don't have the adva- the same advantages as last week, so you kind of have to change your strategy week to week. I don't know. People might not like that. That's real close. That's real close to curated loadouts, and people didn't like curated loadouts. Craft is my dad. PlayStation isn't going to be at E3 this year, so would Bungie market on their own time, like their own stream? Maybe it's easier to do. It's easier to do and less expensive, so they might. Uh, SA23SA what do you think about Bioware and what they're doing with their game uh, not what we're talking about right now Ahura Mazda just tuning in sorry if you already answered this question similar to this what are your thoughts on Bungie's map design for Crucible I think too often there's small corridor maps like Midtown Vostok Alter, I don't know the names of the maps but there's too much choke point lane watching there's not enough verticality there's not enough options of, of pressure flanking and engagement and that is why a 3v3 trials meta would have been frustrating unless they completely completely gutted how many maps could actually rotate in trials um, and really thought long and hard about the meta and how it's landing on some of the maps so a lot of the maps are bad some of the most favorite maps and some of the most most um, enjoyed maps are the ones they brought back from D1 a lot of the D2 maps were designed around 4v4 double primary and they're lane choke point heavy and they're not fun to play on because of that uh, Cag Slayer. Anthem was supposed to be a contender for Destiny 2, and now that it is shown to be less of a contender critically, do you think Bungie will be more confident that players will stay and not make as many updates? Bungie is not structuring their content delivery and quality around what the frick happens with other games. Like, get that idea out of your head. They're not doing that. 
It's it's not like they're like you know when they show like the teams in the tournaments and they're watching two teams play and they they celebrate and they're like yes that team lost that means we get a better seed or we get a better placement or whatever the frick. Bungie's not like watching like ooh Anthem fell flat yay we can do less work now yay that's not a thing <laughs> that's not happening. They're going to do their absolute best to deliver good content that they think is good for the community and will maintain the player base. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to put it into cruise control because Anthem had a rocky launch. That's just... That's not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing. Um, Yuri. Will strike-specific loot like Tanix Cloaks ever return to the system with skeleton keys? I don't know. People want this to come back. I think one of the best things they could do to make strikes viable, leave the Nightfall-specific loot as it is, and every time you add Nightfalls, you can do Nightfall-specific loot. I like that. Uh, That's a good grind. But strikes are worthless, and Zavala could have really, really good grind, bounty rolls, and things like Ada, and 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 they funnel you into strikes. So it's a similar thing of chasing loot, but it's not like the skeleton key system. If you want the skeleton key system, they have that in place. You just play a nightfall over and over and over again and eventually you get the role that you want. It's actually more streamlined. The skeleton key system had too many layers of RNG. The nightfall specific is better, but I do think strikes need love and I think you would do it through Zavala. The way that Ada drove you to forges for intentional grind, Zavala should drive you to story missions and strikes for specific grind as well armor pieces guns etc that rotate each week every npc should be that way by the way shacks drifter all the npcs on the planets so there's just this always fresh rotation of stuff to chase each week so you're not doing the same thing each week like there might be a, a hand cannon on a planet or a shotgun in zavala's inventory and each week as those things rotate you chase and do different activities accordingly so that's the last question thank you guys so much for all the great questions we're going to transition to some other things and some other great talks so don't go anywhere if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play Spotify or watching on YouTube you can probably catch me live right now come into the stream twitch.tv slash say no to rage uh, and follow me on Twitter as well we're nearing a really cool milestone on Twitter at say no to rage as with all of my content I appreciate you listening or watching please like share and subscribe